Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. So I've got Amy on the line. Amy, welcome to the show. What's your question? Well, I have a question about what um, healthy sexuality looks like when Mm. a sex addict is in recovery. One of the things we know about research and sex addicts is that they don't necessarily want sex with their own wife. And so to me, that says he's in really good recovery because he does want that with you. He has been two years sober. He has been in three facilities. And I suspect that's how he's wanting closeness with you. All right. You're exactly right that when a man has retrained his brain to not want pornography, to not want to objectify women, to not want affair partners, prostitutes, masseuses, those kinds of things, He's ready for his wife again. Now, that isn't every man. And there are certainly plenty of couples that have sexual experiences after discovery that they both describe as being meaningful and loving and caring. However, for the majority of people, the partners don't necessarily feel safe And so they need some guidance. They need to know what their boundaries are, um, and they need to develop trust to really have a good sexual relationship. For the addict, they have to change the way they look at things. They have to look at sex from a totally different perspective. They have to look at it from an intimacy perspective. And that typically takes retraining the brain and the person want that drug, oxytocin, that changes what's important to them in their life. Now, I used that intro today because we were going to have Crystal Hollenbeck on. And she is a certified sexual addictions therapist, and she was going to talk about how do you regain that sense of sexuality after betrayal. But Crystal wasn't feeling well, and so she had to cancel for today. So I called my buddy, uh, Jen, Jen C., and I said, she works for AppSats, and I said, hey, do you or would anybody you know want to be a guest on my show today? And she said she would be willing to do it, and um, she probably could talk about disclosure. And I said, excellent, Jen. I would love to have you on the show. Send me your questions. Well, I immediately got a text message that said, how about if I interview you? And I'm thinking, what? No, I'm the interviewer, not the interviewee. Besides that, I talk a lot about myself on my podcast. I know that you all pretty much know who I am and what I stand for. And she said, no. It's about time we interview you. You're one of us, and we want to we wanna do that. So she's going to come on in about 10 minutes and 
we're going to just dialogue back and forth like two girlfriends about partner betrayal and about resources and I guess about me. Um, It's been an interesting 24 hours for me, I got to tell you. Because I so deeply believe in God and because I could use your prayers, um, I was just contacted by my brother who said that he believes he has three types of cancer. He's two years younger than me. I'm 63. And um, he just moved back here from Arizona. And he definitely has lymphoma and leukemia. And he thinks he might have pancreatic cancer too. So if you would keep my brother, Bob, in your prayers. I need all the prayers I can get. You know, It's one of those weird things that I truly believe, just like you do, that God does not forsake us. And it's not that he doesn't necessarily answer prayers, but I do believe God wants us to look at the obstacles in our life and get stronger and move towards him and help others. That's what I really believe. And so I'm just going to pray for, you know, for my brother to have a lot of peace about what he's going through. Now, I say that because I woke up at four this morning and couldn't go back to sleep. I I talk a good game, but I'm telling you, I was pretty upset. Um, And that was on the heels of having a really nice experience because we just trained. They're just finishing up today. Uh, We trained 24, 25 people to be coaches and clinicians for APSATS. And this APSATS program is so phenomenal. You get your training, and then if you decide to go further and get certified, then you get do supervision. You do 30 hours of supervision, and then you become certified clinical partner specialists or certified personal coaches. So that was the second part of um, my last 24 hours and, you know, talk about a high, talk about meeting with people that are so gifted and I can't wait for them to get into our community and help. And that is what is especially nice because APSATS is really an organization that has lots and lots of people who have either been addicts or partners, and they're in great recovery, and they want to give back. And so because they've lived it and they've learned it, both professionally and personally, um, they're the perfect people to provide services. Now, it looks like Jen is on the line, so I'm going to key her in here and You know, one of the things that I do as a coach, and Jen is a coach too. Welcome, Jen. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Carol. (laughs) I was just getting ready to tell our listening audience that one of the things that I do is an exercise where I have them list 50 of their personality strengths. They can't be role models. You know, it can't be like I'm a good mom or a good dad. It has to really be... I'm diligent, I'm persistent, I'm bright, I'm disciplined, I'm loyal, those kinds of things. And Jen, today, you get the persistence award. (laughs) 
And you know why? I do, but go ahead and tell our listening audience. Um, it's because I said our precious Carol, Carol the coach, Aww. Carol the therapist, <laughs> she needs to get her kudos. She has done this for so long, for so many years, and you guys, I'm going to try to interview her. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. want you to ask me all kinds of questions if I've not asked the right ones, but Carol, you're on the spot. Because we love you, and we want to hear all about you. All right. Okay. Well, I just shared some important information (laughs) before you got on the call. And, you know, Jen, I so appreciate it. We are both coaches. You're right. I'm a therapist. And you're actually a nurse Mm -hmm. by training. And we both chose going into coaching because it's so inspirational and you know, so I appreciate the fact that you want to interview me. And you're right, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing it since, I think, 2007. But actually, mm-hmm. I think our listening audience last week or the week before that I, yeah, it was two weeks ago because we were doing trainings last week, that it was our one-year anniversary and we officially had 54 shows in the queue. So that's a lot of shows in one year. Yay. Isn't that me? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's awesome. All right. So go ahead, Jen. Just start shooting out those questions. Oh, you know I'll be on Okay. <laughs> I know you will. I know you will. Okay. So tell us just a little bit about you, your personal life, if you're comfortable with that. I would love to hear about Carol. Okay. Well, what I can say about me is that I'm the oldest of three children. Right now, um, I, I just shared with my listening audience um, that my brother's been diagnosed with two, if not three, kinds of cancer. I just found that out yesterday, so I asked for their prayers. I never mm. get that personal about my life, but I really I believe in the power of prayer. So I was like all about getting as many people to pray for Bob or Robert as they can. And I'm the oldest, we're two years apart, and my sister and I lived together for 13 years during our adulthood. So I'm incredibly Mm -hmm. close to both my brother and my sister, but especially my sister. We have a special best friend-sister bond. I met my husband when I was 41 and got married to him when I was 44, and neither of us had ever been married, nor did we have kids. And so the chances of us meeting each other without children and without previously being married was um, more limited than if we got hit by lightning. So, I mean, it really is unusual for people in that age group to find each other. Um, but I was the poster child for being single. I loved being single. So, so to any of our single partners, you know, that have gone through divorce or maybe they never married the man that turned into a sex addict and they decided to leave or it didn't work out, I really believe it's our responsibility to enjoy our life any which way that it happens. So... I got married to him at 44. Oh, Carol. It, I love it. I know. <laughs> can you believe this it? So and, you. And I, 
<laughs> what? Well, I was going to say, he. I met him at a drug and alcohol um, convention. It was actually a conference. And I was there to learn more about addiction in general. And I was looking for a man who um, was working with a family. And I was working with the family. And so I saw him from across the room. I'd seen the name, Eric A., on the um, on the roster, and I said, I am going to go find him. And so I saw my Eric across the room, and I thought that was therapist Eric. And I went running up to him, and I'm like, Eric, Eric. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I've been dying to meet you. And then I looked, and he wasn't from Indianapolis. He was from another city in Indiana. And I went, oh, no, this is not that Eric. So that's how we met, and we started dating and dated each other exclusively until we got married. So that's a little bit about me. I love that. I love all of that about you. That's what we want to know. So (laughs) as coaches, I think we share probably um, not more than we're supposed to, but we just share more, and you just shared Mm -hmm. that. So thank you. That's, that's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay, so our listeners also want to know what the difference is between coaching and therapy. How do you define that? Well, for me, um, I believe, obviously, therapy is falls under the mental health umbrella. So I help people when I wear the therapy hat work through their trauma, their pain, their, their mental health issues like depression and anxiety. And I, I have to say that I, I help them from a mental health standpoint, but I also do some coaching with them because coaching is an important way of looking at the world and it can really change the way you relate and how you see yourself. So I kind of combine coaching with my mental health. Now, with coaching... Jen, I don't know if you experienced this. We both went to the same school, IPEC. And mm-hmm. um, when I first started my coaching, and I wanted to do a two-year program, and I wanted to do it face-to-face, and so I picked IPEC because the president of the association was a psychologist. And I thought, great, I'll get psychology and coaching. And he said very clearly, you cannot coach people that have trauma and drama in their lives. And so what I heard him saying was that uh, I had to help people actualize their life and take it to the next level. But you really had to have fairly healthy individuals to start with. And if they had any Mm -hmm. mental health issues, you referred them to a therapist. And so that was coaching. It was really looking at the person and saying, how can we make your life better? And here are exercises and resources, and I'm going to give you challenges. And and with mental health, like I have a lot of sweet, sweet mental health clients that say, Carol, I'd like for you to be my friend. And I say, oh, no, ethically, I can't be your friend. We can't have coffee together. It just would interfere with a therapeutic relationship. But with Mm -hmm. coaching, you can have relationships with your clients. 
Um, and you can end up at the same parties or at the same events. And so I really love that because then I get to get to work with people and also get to meet their husbands and their kids and that kind of thing. So that's the difference. Now, when I graduated, mm-hmm. Bruce Schneider, president of IPEC, said to me, what are you going to do next? And I said, well, I couldn't decide if I wanted to do sexual addiction or if I wanted to do coaching. So I went with coaching first. And he looked at me and he said, sex addiction, that would be a great niche for you to coach. <laughs> and I said, and we what are you talking about? In Canada, just so you know. It, and you know what, it, it can be a niche too. So I said, Bruce, you have been hammering us that we can't work with mental health clients. And definitely sex addiction has to do with trauma, drama, and mental health. And he said, oh, Mm. Carol, the coaching field is changing. And if you specialize in a niche that you get a lot of education for, you can help with the same coaching principles that person um, in the same way that you would somebody who doesn't have the trauma that maybe a sex addict has. So I then said to myself, well, maybe I can do some sex addiction coaching. And I really didn't. I really did more mental health. But then when I got in with partners, wow, I felt like I could help take their life to a different level. Now, what do you Mm -hmm. think? Because we went to the same school. You're a coach. What's the difference for you? Um, Carol, great question. I, I don't think there's much difference in what you've already said because I was a nurse, a registered nurse coming into this program. And so I respect and have sort of the registration behind it, um, everything else that you would want to have in a coach that wants to just help people in a mental health perspective, but no when to refer. And I think that's the difference. You know the difference because you are both. And I know the difference because I have that mental health background with my nursing career. And I just want to make sure that people are safe. Oh, yeah. So the rest is up to you. Yeah, safety is the number one thing we look for for partners. I mean, it's our phase one of our APSATS model is we want to make sure our partners mm-hmm. are safe. So I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you, Jen, what's one way that as a coach you can help a partner be safe? Well, that's, that's the main thing. I think right there it's about validating and acknowledging what is happening in her life right now. I'm not there to try to dictate what she should do or shouldn't do. I'm just there to help her, just to be there and support her and love her through exactly what she's experiencing in that moment. But what about you, Carol? Well, you know, um, I, too, agree with the fact that you said acknowledge and validate, and I was struck by that because, you know, Jen, I've written that new book, Help Her Heal. And in that book, I teach Amazing addicts. book, everyone, by the way. Sorry. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs> but, yes, oh. <laughs> keep going. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, well, in that book, it's an empathy workbook for sex addicts to help their partners heal. And, and I teach them a formula, and it's A-V-R. A stands for acknowledge. Acknowledge the pain that he's put her through. And what I heard you say is that as a coach, you acknowledge the situation that she's in. And then V stands for validate feelings, and that's exactly what you said. You, As a coach, you validate her feelings. And then for the addict, he needs to reassure her of his recovery, any recovery strides that he's actually made. And mm. in addition to that, reassure her that he's in this relationship to make it better, regardless of yeah. what what obstacles fall in their path. That is what he is going to be working on. That's his mission. And, you know, if we were going to reassure partners, I believe that we would be reassuring them that they are going to get better and they are going to find their own personal strength out of this. And although we would never wish this on anybody, I loved when Barb, um, our president, our old president, our ex-president, the trainer yesterday, she said, when she was talking about groups, she said, this is the group that you never wanted to be a part of. It didn't ask mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true. I mean, partners are dealing with this by default, and they, it wasn't their fault. They didn't ask for it. But you and I both believe that we're 100% responsible and accountable for how we deal with life. And so as coaches, mm-hmm. we can help people see their strengths and work on getting out there and finding the right groups and the education they need so that they don't take this as um, devastatingly as people that don't have any resources that are all by themselves and all alone. I know. I know. I know. Carol, what's your favorite part about being a coach? Oh, it's definitely the positivity. You know, I am a woman of formulas. For instance, I just read um, uh, a quote from Eckhart Tolle, who did The Power of Now, and he also did The New Earth. And he said that he had done a lot of research and that there were three things that made up good mental health. And if you followed these three attributes, you would have good mental health. And so I couldn't wait to hear what he had to say. And he said the first one is acceptance, that whatever Mm -hmm. is put before you, whatever happens to you, whether, you know, you're my brother and you get three kinds of cancer or you're a partner and you find out that your husband has been cheating or your child at two months of age you know, has dies, whatever it is, you get to decide how am I going to handle this and what am I going to do to take care of myself despite the crisis and the sadness. And so acceptance is such an important component to um, being a partner and to life in general. And then the second thing he said was, you have to learn how to enjoy yourself. And it is the enjoyment of life that, that provides 
the natural dopamine and oxytocin to make you happy and to make you feel fulfilled. And then mm. the third thing he said was you have to you have to work with life with enthusiasm. And you know, that's for instance for our partners. They don't feel enthusiastic about anything at the get go. Mm-hmm. And they're in stage one or two of this devastation of sexual addiction. They're just trying to get by, and they're just grieving. But stage three of of working through sex addiction and getting healthier means that you start saying, okay, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I'm going to focus on me, and I am going to find out what makes me happy and then I'm going to do it with enthusiasm. And so that's, that's what we're always trying for our clients is to get them to stage three and to get them to enjoy life and to be enthusiastic. So I'm going to ask you, Jen, what is a coaching principle that you think is really helpful either just in life or for our partners? Oh, thank you. I was going to ask you the same thing. So For me, it's detached involvement. And what I mean by that, and maybe it comes from my nursing background, but I have the ability to love somebody and then walk away. And I mean that in the most heartfelt sense. Um, I want to be there for you. I will be there for anybody. And yet I can still stop take a break, pray, do whatever it is that I need to do for my own self-care and move on to the next person. And I think that's really, really critical, especially ethically, because I want to be there and be present for every single woman partner that I meet. And I love about you, and your energy is infectious, and I know that your clients feel that. Now, when did you first learn about that concept, and how did you apply it to your life? Oh, I think, honestly, people ask me that all the time, and I really think it came back from my nursing school. I'm talking, I'm aging myself here, but it was 25 years ago. I learned in nursing school how to detach with love. And that's what I do. Okay. Okay, And so that detachment process that you just shared, um, because so many people don't really understand it, you just described Mm -hmm. it as being able to look at a situation and be involved, but also remove yourself from the situation and walk away in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Can you, like, how do you do that? Because you do it very, very well. Um, you know what I do? I always, I, I just believe that the universe has our back. Have you ever read that book? Mm-hmm. The universe has your back No. by Gabrielle no, Bernstein. No, but that's yeah, good. She's so I, I hope our listeners can hear that. So say it again. Her name is Gabrielle Bernstein, and she wrote the book, The Universe Has Your Back. And it, she is a coach, and she's also considered one of the youngest thought leaders in the world. So she's got wow. quite a following. 
she's been doing this for about 10 years. And um, I recently saw her in Fort Lauderdale, but I'd already read her book. And my point is that I just, in general, think the world is a good place. And I think the world can support us. And I realize Mm. that bad things happen, but when they do, I really work diligently on figuring out how not to be a victim, how not to just be a survivor, but to be a thriver. And I believe Mm. when you do that and you're able to empower yourself to know that things are going to be okay no matter what happens. You know, no matter if your husband divorces you, if you get in a car accident, if you get diagnosed with lupus, I mean, it just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You go, how can I grow stronger from this? And what do I need to learn from it? And that makes you a thriver. So that's one of my principles that I work with. And that's kind of how I detach with love. I look at the situation and I believe that it's all going to work out and have something important to teach me. I love that. I absolutely love that. So what's the best thing you've been taught? Hmm. You know what I do. And um, I, I believe that maybe one of my greatest gifts is that instance when I was, 25, 30, 35, 40, and I hadn't met the right person yet, instead of saying to myself, oh, I'm always going to be single, I can't find anybody, I'm lonely, blah, 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 like many women do, I Mm -hmm. instead reframed it and said, you know what, I'm going to be the poster child for being single, and I love my life, it is super selfish, I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I didn't have kids, so I didn't have responsibilities that a lot of our single partners have. And so I just really emoted that. And You know, I, I just a few seconds ago said lupus because I was diagnosed with lupus um, maybe 20 years ago, maybe, yeah, t- 19 years ago. And okay. a, the first time that with lupus, you're not supposed to get in the sun. And um, I have two lake houses and a place in Florida. Mm -hmm. And so the first time I went back to my doctor after being diagnosed, I had this vibrant tan. And she looked at me and she said, that better be a fake tan. And I said, it's not. And she goes, Carol, you have a disorder that can be triggered by the sun. And I said, now, I know this is not politically correct because we're all not supposed to get in the sun, but I said, I am a sun goddess, and I'm I'm not going to do that. If if my body tells me that I need to do that, I will listen to it. But until my body tells me, I'm not going to do it. And I've never, ever had a problem with that since. You know, so I just really embrace those obstacles and and look for ways of almost advertising that we don't have to um, fall into, and I want to talk about one more thing, we don't have to fall into that persona that takes us down. I'm more about empowerment, not thinking about what I don't have. Yes. So, yes, that's awesome. 
Yeah, I was just getting ready to say that um, very clearly we all have things that we want that we don't get. And, you know, one of the things that I really believe is that um, we don't get them. There's a good reason that we didn't get them. And so I always want kids. And, you know, being 44 and being married, that was going to probably eliminate that opportunity. But the truth of the matter is that when I was 28, I was diagnosed menopausal. And um, my doctor rolled her little chair up in front of me and said, oh, my gosh, you are menopausal. You have absolutely no estrogen in your body. And that night, I was having a um, shower for my best friend and having 44 women over to the house. I was only 28 for this baby shower. And I always thought I'd have children, uh, always, always, always. So um, I just felt like, okay, if I can't have kids, maybe I can adopt or maybe I can be a stepmom. But regardless, I knew that I wouldn't have as much energy for my clients if I had a full-fledged family. So I've always kind of said, well, my clients are my family. You know, they're where I put my energy. Um, Do you have kids, Jen? I do. I have a stepson and two of my own. And how old are they? um, Almost 29 and 20 and almost 18. So adult-ish. (laughs) <laughs> kids. But Carol, oh my gosh, I love your heart. Thank you for sharing this with us. Oh, thank you. This is this Look, is speaking this is a big sharing, deal. <laughs> speaking of sharing, you're doing something, you've got a new project going. Share with our listening audience about your project. Well, I've got um a colleague of mine that lives just about two hours from here. Um, he and I are trying to band together and do a couples workshop. And we want it to be for couples that have probably had disclosure, most likely have had disclosure, and we want them to be in a position to move forward. So we're here for them to help them kind of realize some of the tools, some of the um, exercises. Carol, I'm actually citing your book, by the way. Um, so that we can Uh actually um, move these clients forward because we know Paul and I, so it's Paul Laverne, he and I work together quite often um, serendipitously and we just want these couples to be better and to be healed. So that's my latest thing. But I also just love my clients and I just work with them one-on-one all the time. Well, and I know you do. I know you run groups and you see them individually. You talk on the phone. You do Zoom. Now, with your couples group, are you going to be doing that face-to-face? We are doing this face-to-face. It's going to be just outside of Toronto, and we are going to host it at a library. We're we're trying to keep it cost down. Um, We want it to be effective for everybody, both financially and spiritually and emotionally, and that's what we're there for. And how can people get a hold of you if they live close enough to Toronto to be able to make it to that library? What do they do? I, I hope they can, but they can reach me through my phone number, 
um, through text and phone call, which is 613-888-3600. Again, I'll repeat that, 613-888-3600. And we are here just outside Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So you may have to travel a bit, but we love you and we want you to come. And so this is kind of a new niche for you, is it not? The couples area? It is. It is. It mm-hmm. is. I <laughs> it's I have a love hate relationship with couples just like I do with with boundaries, Carol, as you know. Um, but the idea is is that I've had so many partners that I've worked with that have said to me, Jen, can you talk to my husband? And it's all kind of happened by accident, so to speak. So it's psychoeducation, um, it's my experience, it's my coaching background, it's my nursing background, and I will always just be the best and foremost for that husband, typically it's a husband, um, Mm -hmm. that wants to learn the best for his wife. He wants to understand exactly what she's gone through. And I think that's what you do as well, Carol, right? You, you do a lot of mm-hmm. sort of the psycho ed as well. Like how do, how do you treat couples? Well, very much like my book indicates, I usually always, when, when an addict calls me or a partner calls me, I ask for both of them to come in for the first session Typically, it's the addict that calls, but he says, my wife gave me your number. She, like, does all the, all the um, research on who, who he can see. And then I say, well, will you bring her in for the first session so that I can tell you both how I work and what I do so that if either one of you have any questions, you can ask together. And my belief is that when you approach a couple like that right off the bat, you're really restoring a little mutuality in terms of how you want to work with people. So I will work with him and uh, talk to him a little bit about what he's going to need to do to get healthier. I say, now I want you, the partner, to know what I'm expecting of him because you will more than likely see or not see that he's doing these things. And if he is doing them, you'll be more likely to feel safe, and if he isn't, you may not. And, of course, mm-hmm. that's a time when if he's coming to see me, I at least want her to know what resources are available. I just had a couple in before this radio show, and I gave her some resources so that she would have those to pursue because she said, I have not talked to anybody about this. And um, she's holding the secret totally by herself. So um, I never want to see either the addict or the partner be isolated. And then the other thing I do is I give him a lot of psychoeducation about partner trauma and the fact that it may seem like she's critical and blaming and angry and resentful and she's never going to feel any different, but that part of that is an absolute response to brain trauma and that if he hangs in there with her and he sits with her pain and he holds it for her and he uses ABR and he acknowledges that he caused it, because that's the number one thing a partner wants to know is that 
the addict gets that he caused that pain. Even if he's in great recovery today, he needs to consistently reflect back, I know I caused you this pain. I know that I am the source of your triggers. And when they can hold themselves accountable, it's a very healing experience for the partners. And so I really work with them. I like working with both of them together because I can tweak what they're doing and help them and customize it more for them. Um, so I just find it more uh, efficient, if you will. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I am so grateful for you, Carol, because those partners and those couples have you to navigate this for them. No one ever knows what? how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that the truth? And so what made you decide to work with Appsats? How did you get involved with them? Well, hello. We love our Dr. Stephens, don't we? Unbelievable, yes. She's amazing. <laughs> and so I was I was able to connect with her prior well, or around the same time her book came out. So my story is, you know, as most of us have, it it was that sex addiction found me and I worked through it from there and Dr. Steffens was just amazing to help me through it. And so from there, I also became a coach. I'm already a nurse, um, was already like in my master's for counseling. Um, and I just wanted to be there for women when there was no one else there for me. And we're talking like eight, nine years ago. So that's, I think why a lot of us are here now is because we want to be there for partners when we didn't have anybody for ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, I know that we are all in the, in the first couple of decades of partner trauma and partner treatment. And probably we could say the first decade, um, but clearly we're all pioneers in this field. And so we're all working together to, provide more resources and support to partners because it is by far the most devastating of any betrayal that can occur to you. So we understand that you deserve the resources, the support, and let's face it, APSATS has so many talented people. Mm -hmm. It is amazing mm -hmm. to watch all the services and projects and programs that they're developing because they see the need, and the need is out there because it's never, ever, ever been filled. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. So I'm grateful for you, Carol, um, with all your hard work and everything that you've done for partners, for couples, for addicts, your radio show. I mean, you are beyond unbelievable. You really, you really are. And you're the treasurer of our asset board. You give so much. How do you do it all? Um, you know, there's two things. One is that I really don't like to sleep. So I pretty much stay up to 11 or 11.30, and like this morning I got up at quarter to five. So when you've got mm -hmm. that extra little bit of time and you don't have kids and you don't have grandkids, 
you know, your work is what you focus on. And so I really appreciate um, the fact that I can do this because I know there are a lot of people, they have to divide their time and they may want to do something, but they know that it's going to have to wait until their kids get older or whatever. I tell mm-hmm. you, Jen, I learned something from Dr. Patrick Carnes that, he actually therapized me during one of our trainings, and I, I was so excited. I said to the class, oh, my gosh, I'm getting therapy from Dr. Patrick Carnes. This is great. <laughs> now, did I listen to him? No, not really. And here's what he told me. Um, we were talking about the fact that addicts usually have at least one other addiction, and it may be drugs mm. or alcohol gambling, spending, workaholism, Mm -hmm. compulsive Mm -hmm. eating. You know, it may not be, you know, illicit, but it is something that is very compulsive. And he said, does anybody not think they have another addiction? And this was probably a class of 50, maybe even more. And I raised my hand and I said, I'm not aware of any addiction that I have. And he said, and he looked at me like the Grinch. He has this Grinch look to him anyway. And he put his Mm -hmm. hand on his chin and he crossed his arms and he said, really, you don't have any other addictions? (laughs) And I go, not to my knowledge. And he said, well, can I look into your life? And I said, sure. And he goes, well, tell me about an average day. And I said, well, I get up at about six. I get up now a lot earlier. And Mm -hmm. I read about an hour and then I work out for about 45 minutes and then I get ready and I go to work and I said I worked for a hospital system at that point and I said you know I um, I have a full work week I see about 41 clients in a 40-hour week that's what we have to do and I've always been the highest producer so I've always maintained those statistics and I said on Tuesday night, I have sister night, and she comes over, and we guac and chips. And on Wednesday, that's my open night. I save that for anybody who wants to do something. And on Thursday night, that's my girlfriend night. And I've had that for 17 years. And on Friday and Saturday, I go out with my husband. I don't have kids, so we have plenty of time to date, and that's always really fun. And and I just went into this wonderful week, and he said, 41 clients, Carol. That's outrageous. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, Dr. Carnes, that's my one practice. I have my own private practice with 15 more clients. And he said, okay, well, let let me talk to you about your addiction. And I said, what's that? And he said, I do believe you suffer from workaholism. And I said, I love my work. I love my clients. I never am exhausted. I can never, you know, and he said, Carol, there are three things that I want you to learn from me. He said, the first thing that you need to learn is that your brain needs to rest. And when you are awake that long and working that hard, you're not giving your brain a rest. And I said, Okay, I well noticed. And he said, the second thing is, you were over there glamorizing your relationships. But when you work that hard, you really are not 100% responsible for your relationships. 
And I said, well, it seems like I am, but I'll take a look at that. And he said, and the third thing is, if you're seeing that many clients, you're not as good of a clinician as you could be. And I said, okay, touche, you're probably right. I will look at all those things. I, and he goes, no, I want you to do more than look at them. And I said, what's that? And he said, I want you to go to a Workaholics Anonymous meeting. And I said, oh, I don't think we have any in our city. I've never heard of any. And he goes, well, you know, if you don't have one, start one. So I go home and I tell my husband, oh, my gosh, he thinks I'm a workaholic. And I just looked into it and we don't have any meetings. I knew I would have known if we had meetings. And my husband goes, first of all, he didn't think I was a workaholic. He says, I don't think you're a workaholic. He didn't. Dr. Carnes done no crap. And I said, well, honey, he does. I had to give him credit. He knows a lot. And then he said, he said, so let me get this straight, Carol. You have to start a Workaholics Anonymous drink, excuse me, anonymous meeting to be able to have the meeting. You're going to have to work hard at getting this meeting going. Is that what you're telling me, Carol? <laughs> And I said, yeah, I guess I am, honey. You know, it only takes two to start a 12-step meeting. So I did get the meeting together, and I did find one person that was interested, and we had those meetings in a, um, in a hospital, in a well-known hospital for addiction, and nobody ever came to our meetings. Mm-hmm. So eventually I phased out. Um, so that's my story. And I do, I don't you kind of agree with him that that makes sense that you need to give your brain a rest and you need to really be present and you need to, um, really honor yourself and that quiet. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. absolutely. You just spoke volumes to everything that we need to do as partners in recovery. So anyone listening right now, we need to rest. We need to focus on those relationships because at the end of the day, what else is there, right? It's just humanity. So relationships are key. And, you know, it really struck me, Carol, when you said, well, you're not as great as you think you are. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Because I used to be the same way as well. And it was recovery that taught me I needed to just be humble, kind of simmer down a little bit. Um, And that is why today I will tell you that I don't keep up with laundry as much as I used to. And I'm happy about that. (laughs) Yes, what a proclamation. I love that. (laughs) I love it. Well, we we all worked really hard. Well, I love that you spoke for partners in general because certainly they are on so much overload. And let's face it, it is a partner's tendency to um, really want to be hypervigilant and not let this happen again. So not only are they trying to cope with their own stress and their own grief, but then they're really looking at the past and the future to try to figure out if it's going to happen again. They don't feel safe, and so they're on overdrive 24-7. So as we end this show, Jen, if you could, if you could give our partners 
one piece of advice that has to do with intentional self-care, what would it be? Just look after yourself. Honestly, don't worry about everyone else around you because if you don't take care of yourself, you're no good to anyone else. That is really, really good advice. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And um, it was great to chat with you today. Thank you. And you as well. We we are so happy to get to know Carol, the coach. That much better. <laughs> well, Thank you. It was like a it was like a slumber party, wasn't it? <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you so much, Carol, for just revealing your heart and for all that you do each and every week to give back to not only AppSats, but just to our larger community. You're amazing. I can't thank you enough. All right, Jen. Thank you for appreciating me, and I appreciate you. Jen is our operations director for AppSats, and she was on our board and had to make a decision, and our lives have never been easier since Jen took the reins. So, Jen, thank you again so much. And uh, thanks for that determination, Jen. You're persistent. <laughs> I know. You got me. <laughs> okay. All right. And we hope to have Crystal Holland back on again because she's going to be talking about sex. So I got to get her rescheduled. And, and um, remind everybody how they can find us on Facebook. So just go to our Facebook page, which is the Association for the Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, and on there you will see each week that I update our events, but if you even just click on events, you'll be able to see exactly where Carol is speaking to, who she's speaking to, and where you can find us, because we have links there. Um, Everything is made easy with just a click of the button. Jen, thank you so much, and um, you're amazing. Have a great week. Weekend, I guess. You it's too. Friday already. Yes. <laughs> Yay. All right. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye, Jen. Uh-huh. So, obviously, she called me and said, I want to interview you, and I ignored it. <laughs> and she knew I was ignoring her because I said, send me your questions on disclosure, Jen, because she was going to talk to us about disclosures. Um, but she got what she wanted, and I really tried to share. That's, the, that's actually who I am. If I were your girlfriend, you'd know all this stuff about me, too. Um, thanks so much for listening today. I hope I didn't bore you. And um, I know I didn't, because uh, we just want to know about each other's lives. There's no doubt about it. And as I say at the end of every show, there'll only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a great week. And I mean make it a great one. For more information, go uh, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists to find a professional in your area who is trained to help you after sexual betrayal.